0: We're the Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. Hello everyone, you're listening to Battle. Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston this afternoon. I'm joined by Chris Perfett to discuss yesterday's uh, melodorous Thanksgiving battle between the Houston Texans and the Detroit Lions. How do you say, Chris?
1: Holy crap, malodorous? Did you say melodorous? I, I love that. Yeah. Oh man, I, 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 I love certain words. Uh, I, I, I know the last week or so I've been hooked up on the word "defenestrate"
0: What's so that much
1: that. It, it's it's basically execution by throwing someone out of a window. Technically, it can be for any act like of like that. be of going through a window, jumping out of a window. Like auto defenestration is basically like in an action movie, a guy bursts through a window as it's exploding or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm in love with the word defenestrate uh, so much that I might write a Substack article at some point about the history of defenestrating people. <laughs> but I'm also in love with it because I think it's probably what needs to happen to Matt Patricia and the and the uh, front office for the Detroit Lions right now
0: yeah so like if you don't know who Chris is he rides over at Pride Detroit and records the podcast over there and does a bunch of other things as well too and we spoke I guess like four years ago whenever the Texans were playing the Lions this was Brock Osweiler against Matthew Stafford and uh, and that game I don't really remember anything from I think it was like 13-6 Houston they went to like that was like the day after like a Halloween party I went to I was super hungover and I just remember, like Jadeveon Clowney was really good, but didn't have any sacks, and uh, and like Detroit couldn't move the ball at all. And it was like extremely boring during that season. And now here we are, four years later, and like Houston's been out of the Bill O'Brien era. We're done with our ex-New England head coach, and the Lions are still stuck with their ex-New England head coach. <laughs> and like they're, but like I think also like at the same time, they're both franchises are kindred spirits. You know, one because of the ex-New England thing, and then two, I think the Texans like fan base has this idea that oh, well, we're not the Browns, we're not the Lions, we're not the Jets. Like, yeah, we are. We're all part of the NFL's, like, cellar. <laughs> and every once in a while, we get, we're able to, like, climb up out of the cellar and get to, like, the first floor and get peek out the window. But then the following year, yeah, we'll be like, right back down there again.
1: Yeah, I remember that Texans game now because that was, like, the one loss in the blip of a middle of, like, that that was the 2016 year. That was like um, the one year of the Lions that brought me so much joy because that was like <laughs> nine straight games where we were coming from behind and just miraculous upset after miraculous upset and Golden Tate like lunging into the end zone in overtime and smacking someone in the face with his butt and um, you know Darius Slay picking off in, you know the Vikings on Thanksgiving or was it yeah I think it was the Vikings on Thanksgiving and Philadelphia got that whole thing started so yeah I I remember all that. Um, I, I will say that before people get mad at you about the Texans being in the cellar, let's 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 be very clear. It's a very big cellar for the for the NFL. The NFL likes to preach a lot about um parity, uh-huh. and unfortunately for most people, for most teams, that means parity means you are going to spend time in the cellar at some point. Yeah. Everyone does it. Just the Lions have been down here seemingly longer than anyone else <laughs> in in various ways.
0: Yeah, and like with Houston, I know we get out of there and we've been out of there for a few years now. We're right back in there. So it seems like mm-hmm. we're the type of team where we never have like the, the big high, like a conference championship game. So we get playoff teams and then we get four-win seasons. And then but like the Jaguars, for example, they're four-win seasons. And they're able to have one really great team once a decade and then four-win seasons. So
1: I was going to say, or like even like the Jets, who I know, Rex Ryan took them to an AFC championship, mm-hmm. which I mean like... That's but I, I, I guess I guess my question to people, hell, I would even say the Eagles to the fact that they won a Super Bowl and immediately crashed hard. Like that's that's kind of the life of a normal NFL team. Like you gotta stop falling in love with like the Patriots of yesteryear or the Steelers. Like, once you are one of these teams that is dedicated to coming in and out of the cellar, like it is just wild, crazy crap every year. and I hate the idea of like, oh, yeah, we're gonna win one and then go away with like the eagles. i I don't want that i I want I want dynasties. I'm greedy man <laughs> i I'm absolutely greedy and detroit we People, we don't like being the lovable losers because we like being the villains. Oh, and unfortunately, gotcha. we're just no one takes us seriously at that. Not not as much in the Lions. I I'm also a Pistons fan, so that's probably where that comes from.
0: Mm-hmm. And the revlings Wings too. Like, whenever the 1990s. were Oh still good, God,
1: right? yeah, yeah. No, like we. That's the thing is like let let let's be clear to people. If the Lions are ever good, we will absolutely throw it in your face. <laughs> every single like you're, you're not going to find a lovable team like it was the Browns you're going to find a bunch of Michiganders gotcha which I is who care. we're dealing with Michiganders who finally is ready to or ready to come out of the mitten and just shove everything in your face and it's going to be glorious I will love every second of it
0: yeah well I, I but, pulled I pulled up here from that 16 year and yeah you're right the Lions won eight games they lost one game they went eight and one during a nine game stretch that one lost us to Houston 1320 um, and they had, that was a
1: weird game too, if I remember. Yeah,
0: they won six one possession games in a row, and they went seven and one and one score games during this run of eight wins. And uh, I, yeah, and then they ended up getting beat by the, like the last really good Seahawks defense the wild card round. And um, yeah. Bo Staffer was running from his life <sighs> and became chancellor that entire game. Yeah,
1: he was kind of hurt going into that game too. That that year didn't come out well. But I will say this as a way to tie it back to Thanksgiving because that was not the worst. Texans game of my lifetime between the Texans and the Lions (laughs) like I mean we got to talk about it obviously because you were on with us and I love all my crews from back there I keep in touch with nearly everyone we've done podcasts with if I can but um, uh, the worst game between the Lions and Texans I've ever dealt with was 2012 was Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. the 2012 game between the Lions and Texas and the Texans Matt Schaub was still the quarterback at the time in Houston And that one sucked because 2012, we had hope going into that game. 2011, first time in the playoffs in forever. Maybe the Lions are back on the map and, you know, got respect. And, you know, the team still has ways to go. It's a rough team. It's not 2014 where they had an amazing defense. But still, Matt Stafford was throwing really well and everyone was fired up. And then 2012 hits and you lose three of the first four and just keep losing and losing and losing. They (laughs) lost, I, I, I think, November 11th. Was when the streak started, where you just we lost every other game on every game left on the schedule, and <laughs> finished the season I believe four and twelve. Um, that Houston game, if I remember, uh, that was just a kick in the nuts. That was some welcome to hell. L- L- Lions were still on their losing streak on Thanksgiving. They hadn't won a Thanksgiving game in almost a decade at that point, if I remember correctly. It was uh, very weird, but. Uh, and I remember there I, I remember Jim Schwartz throwing a challenge flag to try to challenge something he didn't need to challenge and getting penalized for it, which helped the Texans out. And then in overtime I remember like Jason Hansen missing a field goal and Gunther Cunningham on the coaching side dropkicking his playbook cards <laughs> and just it it was it 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 was hell, man. It was absolute hell, and it's not like you know the Schaub Texans were really that great either that year that that game. But I mean, that was just hell. Whereas this one that we're about to talk about, the only place I can really say you were in hell is if you were rooting for Patricia to keep his job. Which I mean, at that point, I mean you're kind you're kind of cruel if you wanted this guy to keep it keep his job. To be honest,
0: yeah. Yeah, well, that game in twelve, I, uh, I mean, for sure, like the, the one thing I really remember about it, I remember two things: the four set run, and also they had Allen Ball and Calvin Johnson the entire game, and that oh, didn't yeah, yeah, well was not go very well
1: I, I think Stafford and Shaw combined them together. They had almost like seven hundred yards passing in that yeah. game,
0: and uh, and then JJ Watt I think, had three sacks and Scotts are chairless. And then this game that happened yeah. yesterday, you know, Watt had he like against New England the week before he deflected I think four passes in the last scrimmage, and they finally caught one against Detroit. Um, yesterday was able to turn that into a pick six. But like, do Lions fans like the Thanksgiving game? Do they even like Thanksgiving anymore after all these years of Yogi and Delight brutal losses and, and, and going through these frustrations year in and year out?
1: I, I like it. Um, I think for, as always, we talked about how if Detroit ever rose up, it would be a creature of spite. That would, let, that would let everyone know how much we hate everyone. Uh, we hold on to the Thanksgiving game out of spite because we see you people out there talking about how the Lions don't deserve Thanksgiving, that we should put better teams on Thanksgiving, that, you know, why are we wasting our time with this team or that? I remember one year, I think, going into the year... I think it was last year or something. I, people were saying, oh, we should put the Steelers on Thanksgiving. And the Steelers ended up sucking ass in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have to schedule that before the season starts. So this whole idea of like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to know. No, it wasn't 2019 for the Steelers. It might've been 2018. I forget what year they were like really bad. But either way, um, the the point is that, A, you don't know how good or bad a team is going to be going into it. And, and B, like bleep off. It's our tradition. Like, you know, you you should, everyone else should have started their own traditions. We brought the automobile
0: to the world. We can at least have Thanksgiving football. No,
1: like, I mean, this is, this is, this is the thing is that people are in love with this kind of, like, if you take this away, like, cool, you, you might get a better team on there, or you could just get just crap teams every year or so that end up crapping the bed, like, and I, I don't know what to say about that. I this is this is something I've grown up with this is like if I went over to you to whatever college team you had and said hey you know what you guys have really nice traditions but your rival you're not going to be able to play them anymore Ohio State you can no longer play Michigan people would people would flip rightly so mm-hmm. like traditions are important you know you if you're at Liverpool you're you should be allowed to sing you'll never walk alone If you're a Boston Red Sox fan, you're going to swing, sing Sweet Caroline, even though everyone hates that song. Yeah. yeah, Um, You know, it, everyone, the Cowboys look forward to their awful rivalries every year and everything. Like, People need certain things to cling on to in sports. And this whole and look, there's three games on Thanksgiving now. The NFL got its wish. They have a rotating game at night in prime time with whatever teams they want. So they don't have to worry about the Cowboys or the Lions there. Mm -hmm. So just let let us have this one. We we have the good grace to get this game out early enough that it's not going to ruin your Thanksgiving dinner. The Cowboys cannot say the same thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can I agree. And also I don't think the the first few Thanksgiving games should be good football. You know, you have things going on. You don't really want to sit there and pay attention. You want to see dumb things happen. Like, you want to see J.J. Watt at the pick six yesterday. Um, you want to see Jonathan Williams come in, and have one carry and fumble it, and then get pulled after that, and have carry on carry and Johnson come <laughs> in, fumble it immediately. You want to see the Wolf Fuller trick play touchdown pass. You want to see Matthew Stafford almost catch a touchdown pass, a la Josh Allen. Like That's what you want to see on Thanksgiving. You yeah, don't want I, to sit there and watch, like, two you nine and one team spell out at eleven thirty you got other things you got to do, you know.
1: Even if it was good, like just again, it's it's our thing. I've gone to Thanksgiving games before. They're fun, man. It's just, it's it's something unique we can say because, like, yeah, this team sucks, but guess what? We get at least get Thanksgiving, and it erases every last other one of those awful Thursday night football games for us on the schedule. It's the only one we have, so I mean. Like, cool if you want to take it away fine go ahead just i'm gonna hate you for it and just to remind remember that you are the same person that if you are taking away thanksgiving from the lions you're the same person who decided that texas and texas a&m don't deserve mm-hmm. to play each other anymore yeah I, that's I, the kind of person that's that the kind of person <laughs> Never in
0: both those universities to their programs you know neither neither of those schools has been the same since you know i guess Johnny manzel had his run right into the sun yeah but, um they're like i don't know you they need to play each other on thanksgiving it's kind of like, I know YouTube is playing TCU on Thanksgiving. It's not the same thing at all.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I know. I understand people don't want to put up with it, but it's it's what we have, and it, it it's special to me. It's special to me in an age where everything is commodified, mm-hmm. commercialized, made to the nth degree for ratings that this thing survives in spite of, that the Lions, in spite of everything, remain crap, and for the NFL, in spite of everything, just can't get rid of it.
0: Yeah, I love that actually. i have you know, I'll make sure to point to that next time I have a conversation, if I ever have one again, about the Lions playing on Thanksgiving. Well, their creatures are spot number one, and then, number two, everything's commoditized <laughs> now nowadays. Let's ha- enjoy the the truly special traditions that we have, and the Lions playing dumb football on Thanksgiving is one of the things that makes America America.
1: Taking the Lions off Thanksgiving is people starting Black Friday sales on Thanksgiving itself. That's, that, <laughs> yeah. that's my official stance. You will not move me off
0: of that. Or playing Christmas music while you eat your Thanksgiving meal, you
1: know? Yeah, after Halloween. Like, come disgusting. on. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting.
0: Um, so I know, like, establishing the run is a meme pretty much, but the Lions did have 29 carries, hundred nine yards, and two touchdowns uh, yesterday. Like, the Texans have the worst run defense in football this year. And, like, I, I know, like, everything's about throwing the ball and being more vertical and that sort of thing. But do you wish the Lions actually ran the ball more often this game from, like, a I-want-my-team-to-win perspective?
1: No, I really don't. (laughs) I really don't because you you say that everything's vertical now. That's not the case with uh, Matt Patricia. Mm -hmm. He still thinks it's the 85 Bears. Um, The amount of times Detroit has tried to run the ball on downs where they are clearly ruining whatever offensive – momentum or whatever offensive scheme they have is just embarrassing. Sometimes um, it, 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 they, they, there, there's a joke now among lions fans of just run, run pass. Like, that's, that's what it is for nearly every drive, it feels like, sometimes, that the Lions are trying to run the ball twice. They can't do it. So guess what? It's time to have Stafford try to throw for seven yards. And, oh, oh, he missed it. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, I guess because everyone knows now at third and long, you've got to have Stafford pass. Oh, wow. So he didn't do it. Okay, cool. Well, uh, okay, three and out. Neat. And the guys that the the Lions are doing, like DeAndre Swift before he got hurt, I think he's got a legitimate future. He's also a rookie, so Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to make judgments on him right now. Carry-on Johnson, though, fine, whatever. I, I think he's kind of adjusting a little bit better. And I will give him this like he's a good pass blocking running back and he can even get in the in the throwing game. But Adrian Peterson is dead like this guy <laughs> has nothing, nothing left in the, there's nothing left in the tank. He is he is he is a ghoul that just consumes blood of younger quarterbacks. He doesn't he doesn't. Someone had the point on Twitter the other day is like he doesn't ring chase. He just goes to crappy team after crappy team and just filches carries from young t- young running backs and. I'm sorry, man. Like I can't, this, the, the, this, this idea that the, the lions in their offensive approach sometimes are so rigid that you can call it. And that's why we all sit there and say, run, run pass, Cause we know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. We know what they're going to do. This whole establishing the run thing would work fine on any other team. If they actually had a competent bleeping running back and the lions don't have that. And they haven't had that for years. You could say even back to Barry bleeping Sanders Uh, I mean, Reggie, Reggie Bush was decent, but he was still just Reggie Bush at the end. Like they don't have good running backs. They never have. That is something that's going to go down in history is that Stafford has never going to be playing with a good running Mm -hmm. back. There is like, there's no one in that backfield, especially with Swift hurt. Now that I trust handing that ball off to, and I'm sorry. Like the problem too, is that when they do pass they're not getting downfield that much like there was a couple throws they tried deep in this game they tried the um uh what was was this yeah this the the 50 yarder that got called back on the was it this game or was it washington i've already kind no, of no i don't
0: think it was this. i think no, the 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 one deep pass they had this game wasn't called back but it was that No one i'm thinking of the Panthers me. game oh, okay
1: yeah, yeah yeah i was thinking of a Panthers game they had sort of a end around They got called back on a on a um on a penalty mm-hmm. um but besides that kind of stuff, they just don't throw deep. They don't even let Matt Stafford throw even to the middle of the field. He's doing these short yard passes, passes behind the line of scrimmage that are just brutal to watch. What? They're just it's just absolutely god-awful brutal. This team doesn't understand getting the idea of a chunk play. Yeah. It's the problem at the end of the day.
0: Well, and it's it's weird too, because last year, like Stafford was really good as a vertical passer through the first four weeks mm-hmm. of the year and they had that back injury. And it felt like, you know, Daryl Bevel was one of the guys to kind of lock Stafford's you know, vertical passing ability after Jim Bob Cooter, you know, reeled them in those like, you know, that three yard passing game, um, you uh-huh. know, super hyper efficient. But like how much of this lack of vertical passing game just has to do with Kenny Galladay being hurt? The majority of this year, because against Jacksonville and the Woodstock 99 game between the Lions and Jaguars, <laughs> uh, because, you know, Limp Biscuits from Jacksonville and Kid Rock's from Detroit. And that game between those two teams, like Galladay, actually, you had some passes down the field. And there was an actual vertical passing game uh, that week for those teams. But aside from that, like, you don't really see it from Detroit at all. So how much of it is just because Galladay's not on the field this year, the elephant?
1: Yeah, uh for, real quick on the record Pride to Detroit our uh staff our staff position on that by the way is Limp Biscuit. Uh we celebrate Limp Biscuit. No, Kid Rock Very or Limp well, No, no. No love for Kid Rock. It's it's Limp Biscuit.
0: Okay, that's good.
1: It's it's Limp Biscuit at the end of the day. Uh I I will say this, like they have other weapons out there too. Mm-hmm. Like I mean TJ Hawkinson is slowly easing into the role. He averaged something, and I think the Texans game for like 17 yards. Um, Marvin Jones Jr. he's he's gone vertical before. It not having Kenny Galladay sucks. I get it, but the Lions are and and like they were missing Danny Amendola this game too. I know that doesn't sound like much, but Stafford historically has done well when he has a good slot receiver. Uh, you can look at that 2016 season when he had Anquan Bolden to throw to. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a good safety valve. For, for Stafford uh the the lions are without are not without an embarrassment of riches at at the wide receiver position even if quintez Cephas has not panned out to be the rookie you thought him to be this this whole idea that they can't throw deep because they're missing one guy is I, I, I don't know Stafford's got the arm for it i I don't know what else to say i'm I'm just kind of at a loss on just how on normal drives it's just how, boring it is it's mm-hmm. just utterly boring it's like they want to play this defensive um, this possession minded uh drive but the problem is is that if you're doing a possession minded drive you have to have the pieces to make sure you're picking up first downs first downs don't happen after you run run pass and on that pass you pick up the third down on third and seven mm-hmm. you can you're allowed to get a first down before first, <laughs> I mean, before third it's allowed yeah, in the nfl that. Yeah, people forget that. It's very easy for, to forget that, and apparently Patricia and Daryl Bevel have forgotten that, and I don't know what else to say about that. It just, it's, unless they get, you see it when the Lions do get a a drive rolling. I know after the start of the, of the I think it was the second quarter to start that, they had that 14-play drive against the Texans where they were starting to roll. Like, Peterson was getting some penetration. That was like the one good, one out of him. They were getting up to the they they were, you know, holding the ball, running it pretty well. They were doing I think that was actually a lot of of running actually on that drive. Yeah, but they had like
0: eleven like I think they had eleven runs and one past that drive.
1: Yeah, some like I I remember there was like I think a shotgun pass to Marvin Jones that set up for the for the field goal. But yeah, other than that 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 drive was just a lot of penetration. Um that that just yeah, it it's it's so weird. Like I I'm sorry. I, I was thinking third quarter, not second quarter, mm-hmm. by the way. Um they they but uh, on other drives like it didn't happen too much in this game, but you go back and look at that Panthers game where it's three and out constantly. They didn't even get past the 50-yard line sometimes. And, and the just,
0: Panthers didn't have a good defense either. And this is No, they, they, they had
1: the they, they had they had the worst third down defense in the league going into <laughs> that game and they were without on the offensive side of the ball they were out Christian McCaffrey and they were putting in an XFL quarterback yeah. under center like you should you 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 have to capitalize on that and the lions refused to do that they they see that and and they stubbornly say this isn't going to stop me because I can't read that sign
0: mm-hmm. Well, and this is also so. like a lions team that's not like a tanking or a rebuilding team this is a team that was trying to make the playoffs like this no,
1: year. No, God. You know? Patricia was brought in because famously 9-7 and seven under Jim Caldwell wasn't good enough, according to Bob Quinn, the general manager. 9-7 and seven wasn't good enough. Jim Caldwell, with the first winning record for a bleeping Lion, career winning record with the <laughs> Lions since the 1970s or 60s, is suddenly not good enough. And I get it. People are mad because he hires bad coordinators. And I get it. People are sleepy. mad because he can't. He's sleepy. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. He he mismanages the clock. Which I mean, anytime someone says, "Oh, you should have gotten a call because he mismanaged the clock," dude, go find me a, a coach in the NFL who doesn't mismanage the clock. I dare you, man. You will not find them. They all screw up this clock. Stop it. But I I get it. Caldwell was conservative and everything else about him. But he had guys playing for him. You have these reports coming out almost every month now about how Patricia is just this this domineering asshole mm-hmm. who just who yell who who like that's, comes that's in late to meetings and then yells people. It's like hey sit down and shut shut that the bleep up or or like you know says homophobic crap to to Darius Slay because he's posting on Instagram and tells him stop sucking off that other guy or (laughs) stuff. And like, I get it. I've heard that he's worked on his attitude. He's not fighting with the media, but like, he just, he's, he's a bumbling man. He says stupid things. Like there was a lot of work to be done when he came into the organization. No, you were brought in to win right now. You were brought in to win right now. And congratulations. You've not only wasted i think probably the last good years we'll have out of stafford the last peak years we'll have out of stafford which you've also driven away all the talent that was on this team this team had an amazing backfield with darius slay and some of those other pieces back there they had amazing they 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 had pieces at least you could build around you look at the talent on this lions D, uh, team now who who do you build around mm-hmm. yeah i that, don't know
0: that's it well that's a great point and like i think and like what's funny here is like you as being a texans fan and as Sexton's fans are listening to you talk right now, you say you know, have like you know, you say thirty things and I'm like, yeah, twenty three of those thirty things we've experienced during the Bill O'Brien era. Like it's kinda yeah. the exact same sort of narrative and, and set up. And one of the thing's about like Patricia, like he doesn't look like a fun guy to play football for at all. Like I wouldn't want to play football for Matt Patricia. He's just oh, you know, hairy and angry and upset about everything. All while being yeah, confident just... at the same time.
1: Yeah, like I, I, these guys come out of New England. I just don't know what gets in their head, like because everything I hear about Belichick is like people assume Belichick is the dominator or whatever, and it's not true about Belichick. So I don't know where they're getting this idea that this is how they need to act about things. And look, man, like you want like there, there's they, you talk about fear, respect, love, and everything. The, this whole fear thing just doesn't work. I always remember how badly it ended for Nick Saban. In Miami, when he put, when he got the Dolphins job, like these are grown men. Like they, I maybe when I was younger, I liked this idea of the coach being a strong man. But now that I'm in my thirties, I'm sorry. Like you're just a chode. I would fight you in the streets <laughs> if you talk to me like that. Like just. Shut up, man. <laughs> we're we're trying to do our work here. We're trying to just act professional. Everyone is a player. They're putting their bodies on the line to go out there. Like you, you can't just talk these like there's some just red shirt freshmen who need to please you at every turn, or else you yank their scholarship. This isn't. This is ridiculous. What what's going on? It's it, it's it's sad too because I know fans love it. They love it. They love this idea of, like, these guys need to be put in their place, these millionaires. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. I'm sorry, like man. Projecting like, work... like,
0: their own boss onto, like, an NFL player, you know? Ah,
1: just, yeah, you work with a bad boss. I don't know what else to tell you. I've worked with some shitty bosses, too. I've worked with a boss who yanked my paycheck one time, like, when I was a carpenter. It sucks. <laughs> like, stand up for yourself. Go, go talk to the labor relations board or something, like, it's ridiculous. I just, I, I don't get it. And for Patricia in general, too, like, I don't know. I didn't like the hire to begin with just because I thought it was going to be just brutal because I saw kind of how the the defenses worked out. But he was the smart hire. Everyone was telling me how, you know, we have all the smart people out here. This is the smart hire. Every, like Everyone was talking. And Patricia was a big coaching name at the time, too. Everyone thought he was going to leave New England and take a big job somewhere. And... It just bombed really hard, and I think part of that is is you look at some of the stuff, and you're just like, "What is the scheme you're trying to run?" Mm-hmm. Like you've got linebackers who are biting really hard on play action, or like they're just sitting in in the middle of of the zone with no idea whether they should blitz or they should drop back into coverage. And it, not even if they should blitz, the Lions barely blitz. They only do they only send three or four every time, and all and yeah, they loved other than, three. Yeah, they, they just rush three, and I don't know what they do with the linebackers because they're certainly not covering anyone. Like, and, and they just have these they have these personnel mismatches where they get guys for roles that they're not fitted for, and it's just like, who cares? Square peg, round holes. Brr, brr, brr. Get it in there. Get it in there now. Oh, did I lose you there? You there?
0: Yeah, I'm here again. Hey, you yeah, there, Matt? It, it froze okay. briefly. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, it froze. Yeah, yeah okay. I I've got, I still got the your, recorder going. Send me your track, and then yeah, you know, yeah. They'll, they'll take care of that. Yeah, um, I, I just ended.
1: I just ended yelling about square pegs in the round holes. Yeah,
0: so. it sounds like it sounds like Lions football. Uh, but yeah, like the Lions last year ranked first and only rushing three last year in uh, the NFL. Like this year it seems like they're doing a lot of the same stuff too. And like even that that Vikings game, you have Jamie Collins covering Dalvin Cook the entire game uh, in one-versus-one man coverage. And it's like, you know, Matt Patricia deserves every bad thing that ever happens to him for <laughs> making, like, decisions like that. And, and, like, these aren't, like... I always kind of describe it as, you know, going back to, you know, in the Bill O'Brien era, you know, here in Houston, they just do these, like, absurd things that don't make any sense. And, like, I'm not a football genius at all. Like, I'm sitting here looking at the McDonald's side in my backyard. But, like, even I know, like, hey, don't cover Dalvin Cook with Jamie Collins. It's a terrible idea. You just put Ron Harmon on him if you have to... Whenever you you whenever you run into the situations, or whatever, and have eight guys in the box, yeah, and, they and they just don't they don't figure out that portion of it so many times. It's these like really blind, easy things, so they complicate the game. And it's this point where it becomes like this, um, you know, inconceivable mash of of nonsense.
1: Yeah, and listen, like I I I I, I like Jeron Harmon, but at the same time, like that this is the kind of talent level we're talking about here. There is no one on this team that is all pro in any sense of the word. There's no one here that should even make the Pro Bowl. Like, there, there's no one on... Like, their talent is embarrassingly bad. You can't do what the Patriots have been doing where they just don't care and they get just these, these random parts off the street. Because, I mean, we've seen how that's working for the Patriots now that they don't have Tom Brady mm-hmm. either. Like, you don't have that kind of fallback on there. And I'm sorry, Stafford isn't Brady at the end of the day. And if you're... The one good thing I could say about the Lions right now is probably the line. Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow is legitimately, and, and I would say probably then, uh, I don't know, Jonah Jackson. And that's like, you've got a good left side of the line. The right side still needs work. They they swung and missed when they brought in Vadi Vaitai. Um, you can he say hasn't his name been good. Very impressive. Yeah, no, I've tried. I, I know everyone else in the Detroit media was like joking and saying, "Oh, why are these names so hard to pronounce?" <laughs> I I did a project. I did a project in USC with some Samoans, and um, I learned very quickly because I was interviewing Rikishi from WWE oh, to be uh very careful about saying Samoan names. Yeah, yeah. Is so, he still, is he still mean,
0: a big guy? Or did he figure out how to lose the way afterwards? Oh, no, he's
1: big. He's big. I sat down with him and his cousin, uh, or nephew, I forget, I'm sorry, uh, Reno Anawai uh, in a diner in North Hollywood. we I was doing a piece on uh, kids training to become pro wrestlers mm-hmm. in SoCal. But uh, he is still a very big man, and he eats a very big breakfast. <laughs> I think he still suits up every now and then for their for their dojo. They do like a couple of yearly shows just to, you know, get kids the action and everything. So I know he does suit up still.
0: That's cool. Um yeah. well you know, he kinda of reminds me of Danny Shelton. And so this off season the Lions What Rikishi? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> they're,
0: kind of, they're kind of similar builds, but this off season the Lions invested heavily in the run defense. They signed Jamie Collins. Danny listen,
1: listen. I I'll let you finish. But if Dan, if Jamie Collins started sitting on people with his butt, I would uh, like him a lot more. I'm just gonna say it would probably
0: greatly improve the the Lions' run defense
1: as well too. Yeah, it'd probably be a penalty though.
0: Yeah, and they they signed Reggie Ragland as well, and they drafted one and only John Pinasini, Pinasini, of course. And I know they say Penesini, but there's no way it's Penesini. It it's to be fine. Pinasini. We we
1: have we have someone who at the start of the year was like constantly paying us in bits. On um on on our Twitch channel to for me to say Pennacini just or Pennacini just because <laughs> he wanted he, he just uh, a child but yeah
0: well it's been fun it's a lot more exotic here because we don't get to talk about the lines all that often so we really enjoy P- Pennacini as much as we can uh, yeah the, yeah the, laugh the lines, it up it's
1: like when everyone discovered Jim Bob Cooter <laughs> yeah, haha it's Cooter um
0: uh, but for for Detroit like their run defense was bad this year but then their pass defense they invested in this year as well too by adding Harmon. Desmond Trufant. They drafted Jeff Okuda, and um, they added Julian Aquara as well too.
1: But they got rid of Darius Slay. And they
0: got they trade Darius Slay because they thought Kudo could come in and just be as good as him, even though no rookie cornerbacks are really great to start off the year immediately. And they also add they also trade for Everson Griffin during the season because they found themselves at three and three. Um, so which one is more depressing to you, the run defense being bad or the pass defense being bad this year after the moves the, pa- the Lions
1: made? Uh, that that's rough because last year they did have a decent pass um, a run defense with guys that kind of sucked up the middle when they slid Aqon Robinson and Trey Flowers. But I'm gonna say the pass defense is that how they sell it about Darius Slay that that people thought that oh yeah Okuda can just come in and do his job is that how it was sold to the rest of the world? Because that's my it memory like
0: to me like that seemed like the idea was is that they can get a guy who's gonna be as good as him they only pay him four million dollars instead of you know eleven or whatever it is.
1: I guess that's the logical reason, but everything we heard about is that basically Darius Slay was butting heads with Matt Patricia, and just culture fit was the big word, Mm -hmm. which we all know how that goes at the end of the day. We all know how culture fits uh, happen in the NFL, how that's so damn important, how it's so damn important that you lose a generational talent like Darius Slay. Or DeAndre Hopkins. Or DeAndre Hopkins or... (laughs) Any of these guys like that, that you just have to run them out of town. And Okuda, I don't know if Okuda's good or not. He's a rookie corner. We've seen with rookie corners that they take years to develop in the NFL. And unfortunately, Okuda's being thrown to the fire right away. And Lions fans are still kind of with the thralls of remembering T's Tabor who was another top-round cornerback. The Lions took, whose t Tabor's not even on the roster anymore. You can't find him. That was 20, I want to say it was 2018. I could be wrong. That sounds like something
0: like 72 or something like that.
1: No, T-Sabre was very, very recent. I'm looking up right now because I know he's out of Florida. Yeah, he was drafted, I'm sorry, 2017. Okay. He was drafted at the start of kind of the, of uh, you know, right before Patricia came in. And it was drafted, I thought, on the assumption that he was being drafted for a Patricia offense, and he just never got good. He never got on the field, but he was a second-round pick, and a lot of Lions fans, I think, they're holding, kind of like we hold uh, Eric Ebron over the head of TJ Hawkinson, is like, why are we drafting a, you know, a uh, a tight end this high up you know or, mm-hmm. or like why are we drafting a tight end again because that's what happened with Hawkinson and with Ebron and Lions fans don't and like Pedi- Ebron. and
0: Pedigree as well too
1: yeah most people forgot about Pedigree just because Ebron pissed off so many people mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but like I think people are kind of holding T's Tabor a little bit over the head of Okuda and I think if anything, that's the most damning indictment about Patricia's ability to develop talent. Okuda, if you remember in that draft, like people were talking about Okuda as maybe being better than um Oh man, why am I blanking out now? Uh twenty twenty draft. Uh who was that top defensive talent in that draft that was like uh that was uh Chase Young. People were people were legitimately making the argument that Okuda could go before Chase Young that he was just as good of a developmental talent out there that Okuda could become like, cause Okuda at Ohio state was flying around. He was an amazing cornerback. He had some questions, but people wanted him as a cornerback. And now you look out there and he's just not sure what to do in the NFL right now.
0: Yeah. I've, whenever I've watched him play so far, it seems like he's a good tackler, but everything else has been bad so far this year. And uh, at least he has that going for him, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, some guys can't say that, like, or but still, like, the problem is, as you say, it's not tackling; it's these guys playing on their man. Amani Oruwari, you guys were like the Texans were beating Oruwari all day, Mm -hmm. and Oruwari isn't a bad corner either, and he's just he looks like he's lost out there trying to cover Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks.
0: Yeah, well, so Deshaun Watson was 17 of 25 for 318 yards and four touchdowns. He was sacked twice, but he also added 24 rushing yards too. So, like, should Texans fans be impressed by Watson's performance this week, or does this have more to do with Detroit having a bad pass defense that is constantly lost and doesn't know if they should cover or blitz or who to even to cover sometimes, even at the cornerback position? I,
1: I, I, I hate to say this, but I think it's, it's more on the Lions at this point. We've made, we just made P.J. Walker look good. <laughs> like, I'm sorry um we made Alex Smith look good with a 400 yards and I know Alex Smith is the feel-good story of the year but Alex Smith is not a good quarterback so I mean I I get it because I I feel for Texans fans in this regard. is that there's been a lot of ink spilled over to Sean Watson lately and there's been a lot of demand that Sean Watson is either has to be like elite level that Deshaun Watson it's not good like with the money being paid out to him with everything hanging over him it doesn't matter if the team's bad or whatever people think Deshaun Watson needs to be at the same level of a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson I don't think he's there yet I don't know if he's there yet I don't know if he will get there I think however it's not a damnation if you're just a second tier quarterback in the NFL Matt Stafford I firmly believe is a second-tier quarterback in the NFL. Some years he'll be in the top 10. Some years he might not. That's fine. You can work with that if you have the right pieces around him. Uh, I know one of my other jobs working with Fox Sports Radio, I was on the air talking with someone about it, that there is a comp to be made between Watson and Stafford in that both kind of are following the same career arcs right now where it feels like, and I hate this term, the, the other guy used this term, and I kind of hate the term, that <laughs> their careers are being wasted With these teams, I don't... Well, here's the thing. is like, A, I don't think that's true of Watson yet because Watson is young. Watson still has plenty of time. However, we were still saying these things about Stafford back in, like, you know, 2011 or 2012 or 2013 as well. But I think people were seeing Stafford as more error-prone at the time. Stafford really cut out a lot of those errors when Jim Caldwell was there for him, and that just shows you the power of a QB Whisperer coach. Mm -hmm. You know, because Caldwell for whatever he was like he worked with some really good like he he, he was the reason Joe Flacco had a competent year yeah. in 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 Baltimore and he worked with Peyton Manning to develop him and everything too like like Caldwell does know what he's doing with quarterbacks and does know how to build around them so Stafford had his best year with Caldwell because of that but I think that would help Watson if that's the next coach for the uh for the Texans, if you go with a quarterback-driven coach that is going to come in and take him to the next level because you see the raw talent there. I I just think, and look, I don't know if it's a guy like, you know, some of the Sports Talk radio guys out there who are demanding Watson needs to be this right now because it's keeping up with the Joneses. You're drafted the same year as as Patrick Mahomes. You've got to be as good as him and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, you can and, take Mitch it easy. and Mitch, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. World beater Mitch Trubisky. That the Bears traded up for, mm-hmm. uh, which I will never let them live down. They, I know Bears fans are like, all right, fine, we drafted Mitch Trubisky it was the right move at the time. No, it wasn't. I'm like, don't kid yourself. Yeah, I'm not gonna let Bears fans live it down ever. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, yeah. So Watson, I think is like this doesn't improve his game too much. I don't think he's as bad as he has been in this year either. Though I think he's somewhere in the middle. Like, he's, he's going to be a decent quarterback. He's only, you know, he's 25. He's about to hit the upper 20s when quarterbacks really start to matriculate. Like, it, it, it's cool. It, it, it's cool. I just don't, I, I would say to Texans fans, this isn't, this is a marathon, not a sprint with a quarterback. Yeah. And, again, you don't need to be Tom Brady to win this league, all right? Like, 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 you don't need to be the best quarterback to win in this league. Like, again, Joe Flacco has a ring. Uh, um, Nick Foles has a ring. Peyton
0: Manning's corpse has a ring.
1: Ma- Peyton Manning was dragged to the mountain. Yeah, by Bob Miller. Yeah, like like a like just a, a cadaver by his tongue. There. Yeah,
0: Bob Miller held him by the tongue and dragged him. Over the uh, holding
1: thing. him by his giant forehead. <laughs> Eli Manning has two rings. Yeah, like just have a good team. We make this game so much about quarterback versus quarterback like he's a boxing match. And it's really not. It it is the most important position in all of sports, the quarterback. But Watson has proven that he is capable of running this thing. He is not some journeyman or a game manager. He's got the talent to win you some games on his own now and then. He just can't do it maybe every game like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady in, in his height. But that's fine. You can you you're, you're comfortable with that. Don't don't get greedy is all I'm gonna say. Like Watson is perfectly fine. I just don't think this, this game shows that he's elite or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I know the numbers say he's like a top five quarterback. I haven't really bought this year. Um and I do think this week and the week before I think the week before against New England was the best game he's had this year, but New England has a really bad pass defense this year. And the Lions they really they do, yes. Defense, so I I'm think, like, Watson's talent level, though, is, like, fringe top five, and that's more than good enough. And, you know, he's the entire of the franchise, and I think he'll be more than good enough to be able to you know, carry this team in the future whenever they get a new head yeah, coach it- that can build an offense around him.
1: The NFL is about matchups at the end of the day. You're going to have games where you get the right matchups against the right teams, and the best coaches know where to exploit those matchups because Tom Brady wasn't a world beater every game with New England. It's just Bill Belichick knew where to exploit those matchups, and if Tom Brady wasn't the answer that game, that's fine. He was manageable enough that he could keep them in the game while while you exploit the other weaknesses. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. That That's what it is. A quarterback is not saving your bacon every damn game. Watson is a good quarterback. I don't think this is this has been his best year, but that's fine. You don't throw out everything because of one bad year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And I hopefully they do what you said and they get a quarterback driven head coach who can completely build an offense around him and build a team around him. And like even with Tim Kelly this year instead of having Bill, Bill O'Brien around, like he's done a better job than O'Brien as far as creating an offense for Watson. But even then I think they barely have scratched the surface this year. Uh, by building an offense around Watson, it's like a very like small extent. So to be exciting whenever they get like a different head coach who's not hopefully not marred in the New England nonsense to get the most out of this possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, like I, I won't bring up again that uh Anthony Ho- um DeAndre Hopkins. It's, no, it's okay. It it's what it's possible. But I mean, like that that does hurt overall. But I mean, uh, the, the good the good news is is that when you look to how teams have drafted, uh. Um, wide receivers in the past there is an embarrassment of riches now in the draft when it comes to wide receivers and the and the um, <coughs> excuse me the amount of wide receivers a team is holding anymore there are rarely teams now where it's like you have those clear super defined number ones I just described for the Lions like yeah you have Kenny Galladay but you also have like Marvin Jones Carryon uh, Johnson as a pass catching back TJ Hawkinson with Danny Amendola when he was healthy, the way to go now is to have just multiple receiving threats mm-hmm. that are maybe not elite, but you have enough to spread around. And the cool thing about that too, then is because I know we were talking about this with Kel- Kenny Galladay on whether or not the Lions should resign him that there's the market is kind of changing in that regard in that. I don't th- like, if you want to pay Kenny Galladay fine, but the Lions aren't going to be too hurt if he walks away because you can just go and get another wide receiver in the draft and in a year or two he'll be fine and manageable. Maybe not as amazing as Kenny Galladay, but not worth kind of the the hole you'd put yourself mm-hmm. into paying him as a top five wide receiver. And that I think is in... I, I would. That's, that's the comfort I give to Texans fans is that you lost a really good one in Hopkins. However... There, there's other, there's other fish out there, and this is wide receiver is probably the easiest position to rebuild in the NFL right now. Um, so I would want to see that for the Texans, and then, like, just you know, continue. It, it all starts with the offensive line. Just continue to make sure that offensive line is shored up.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, if I, if anybody ever you know, gets their heart broken, they should talk to you, and they can help you help them make, feel, make You can make them feel a lot better afterwards, you know oh, the, no, the, I was playing fish in the sea. So sort we of talk and you're young and buckle up and you'll be OK. You know,
1: <laughs> now you make me sound cruel about that a little bit. But uh, <laughs> no, I mean, just again, like I, I get it because losing those lead wide receivers, it really does suck. But again, I just think that the you know, when you talk about what you lose to free agency or what you lose to injury. Again, I think the I, I think when it comes down to it, it's easiest to replace wide receivers right now. Like, defensive parts, you want to hold on to them. Offensive linemen, you want to hold on to them. Uh, running backs, completely disposable as well, actually. Mm-hmm. I, that, that might actually compete with wide receiver, but you only need, like, two running backs that are competent. It shows you the Lions can't even get two competent running backs, whereas even the Lions have an embarrassment of, uh, of options at wide receiver. Like, you can carry five or six on your roster, have enough flexibility, and as long as you know how to use a slot receiver just fine, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Like, hell, go get a tight end, too. Like, receiving cores have never been better in the NFL.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I know, like, this last draft class, like, everybody, even, like, the undrafted wide receivers from last year's draft class are great. Um, I, think, yeah. I think about Hopkins is, like, he's one of the receivers that you want to pay and keep around, and Houston did kind of lose, I think, you know, probably two games this year during their own fourth streak because they didn't have him, and it took a while for this offense to going. Um, without relying on him so much. But it'll be, yeah, it'll and, be and interesting like when, to see when you're what you can off... do with, the, with like five receivers instead of with one with an extra year and him no longer being gone, too, at the same time.
1: And when you're coming off something like what Watson had with Hopkins, that takes time to, to change, too. Like, one of the best things, I think, developmentally for Stafford was losing uh, Calvin Johnson. Mm-hmm. It sucked. But it forced uh, Stafford to learn how to throw to other receivers. That 2016 year, where I thought it was his best year, again, he had, he had DeAndre, I mean, he had Anquan Bolden in the slot, which was great. He had Eric Ebron at tight end. Uh, he had Marvin, Marvin Jones at the time was kind of the signing to replace the departing uh, Calvin Johnson. And uh, I think, yeah, Golden Tate was on the team as well. You love Golden Tate, right? I absolutely love Golden Tate he is a uh, he is a mensch he is an insanely <laughs> cool um, get, like the man is I, I wish I could put him in the I find an excuse to put him in the hall of fame because he's just he, he plays the game with such a weirdness that I just I interviewed him one time and I remember him talking about how his brain just shuts off when he goes into a game like he eats like half and half pesto pasta and like bolognese meat sauce and then goes and plays football games and you know, he. I, I asked him about that famous moment when he was at Notre Dame. He just runs and dives into the Michigan State band. And he just told me straight up, "I don't remember doing that," <laughs> because my brain is just his brain is off. He t- he says it's go time, and I just Golden Tate's a specimen, and I love him for it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that at all. Um, yeah, he's 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 great. So for Detroit this year, like I don't really have anything else to add about this game. It's Just kind of like Deshaun Watson is really good. The Lions are kind of bad and dumb. But I'm kind of more interested in like the Lions as a whole as a franchise, just because again, like Houston's out of you know the Bill O'Brien era and away from their ex New England head coach. Whereas Detroit is still kind of stuck with theirs right now at the moment. And so like at one point right now with Detroit, they were three and three a little while ago. And after Todd Gurley actually scored a touchdown. And after that <laughs> they trade for Everson Griffin. They activate Justin Coleman. They signed Mohammed Sanu to get ready for the stretch run. And since then they are one and four at the point differential, negative sixty seven. They've allowed 163 points in those five games. And they were also shot by the Carolina Panthers, which is like an impossibility uh, in this universally we reside in. So what the hell has happened to Detroit this past month?
1: Yeah, I mean, you could even say, like as fans were pointing out every time when they were 500, they could have been 4-2 and two if DeAndre Swift catches that ball in the yeah, exactly. Chicago Bears game too. So, I mean, people were just, you know, sitting out there kind of deluding themselves a little bit. What's happened here? is that they're just not good like this was supposed to be the easy part of the schedule we all looked at the schedule it's like okay first four games or five four games or so it's gonna be really rough because you play bears packers Cardinals, saints uh back four games are gonna be really rough packers titans bucks vikings that's gonna seal the deal for for patricia if he's not fired mid-season i think he if he's not gone by the end of this weekend he will survive until the end of the season and then be fired but there's no way he comes back for 2021 um but yeah, no, it just, this is a classic case. of the Lions always playing to the strength of the team that they're playing. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. Like the Colts game is embarrassing in an amazing way that a guy like Phillip Rivers is putting 40 points on you and their defense is just eating you alive. Um, the Vikings game, like that's kind of expected to be honest, because the Lions under Patricia have a God awful record about against the NFC North. And just other games where it's like they they just I, I don't know if it's mental mistakes or if it's just some of it's a little bit of injury. As you said, they've been missing guys like like uh, like Kenny Galladay and even Trey Flowers and a few other guys. And I think part of it is just after a while, it's like this is this is what this team is. People people watch this team week to week, get the tape on them, and the Lions just don't adjust to anything. And the three teams they did beat, okay, cool. You beat a a, a rookie uh, quarterback in Kyler Murray. You beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you had a last-second miracle against the Atlanta Falcons. Those are your three wins. It's not that three man, and I think three was, was like hung
0: over that game too. Who? I think Kyler Murray was hung over that game, or he stayed playing Warzone too, for too late the night before.
1: <laughs> hey, man, I can respect that. I can respect that. That is a that's the way to go these days, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's I I just. So those three wins weren't really that strong to begin with. So I always I think even then at three and three we were we were already still writing the the um certificate for, for Patricia to get out of town. So yeah.
0: So for so with Patricia right now, like are there are there people within the fan base or within the organization or like within the media in Joe and who like still believe in Patricia and think he's a good head football coach? Or is everybody completely out on him right now you're just kind of watching the clock until Uh, the axe falls across his necks.
1: If, you know what, I think a few weeks ago there probably were still a few people who thought this could be turned around, that it could be uh, fixed, that it could be uh, readjusted. I I don't know. I don't think those people exist anymore at this point. I (laughs) I, I don't. I don't. No, I I just... the, The writing's on the wall. You've had too many chances, and it's been too many games like the Colts, like the Panthers, and like the Texans, where it's just no you should not be losing in these fashions if you are a competent football team i don't if anyone is still saying patricia is a good coach i want them to give me i want them to give me the proof and i'm going to then throw the proof on the ground and laugh in their face because <laughs> there it's been 3 years now 3 three most important years for the detroit lions to not undo uh, our, our managing editor at Pride Detroit, Jeremy Reisman, he has was despairing pretty hard earlier in the season because he's realizing that this is the last gasp of this Lions team as we know them, as this regime that has existed post the winless season two thousand eight, when they finally cratered out, hit rock bottom, and started to dust themselves up and put themselves back respectable. And in those years since then, they've gone to the playoffs three times. They've won. They've had winning seasons. They've had a coach with a winning record. They've had a quarterback that is not top tier, but second tier, Mm -hmm. but either way can win some ball games where you had an amazing year in 2016, almost MVP year. They've had great talent around them. They've built decent enough things, but they've at least been competitive for a lot of those years. Patricia has not only come in and made them non-competitive. He's also run out a lot of that talent you were building around, Mm -hmm. even the ones you were building around for the future. The, the cupboard is bare for Detroit once Patricia and general manager Bob Quinn, who are a package deal, once they are gone, the cupboard is bare. Stafford's contract's coming up pretty soon, and there's been serious talk about trading him among the fan base because you don't know what to do at this point. The guy is 32. He's going to be 33 before the next season. He's got, you know, he's been getting banged up and beat up constantly. He's... He, he is who you have with him at this point, and there's a good, good uh, cost-benefit to just going and getting a young rookie quarterback at this point because you are going to have to rebuild from scratch at this point. Every, except for the offensive line, every other position needs to basically be blown up, rebuilt, and have some actual real talent come in. Mm-hmm. And that's going to take time, and that's not guaranteed either.
0: Yeah, and like so, so. Stafford has a cap of $21.3 million this year. Next year jumps up to thirty three million, and if they cut him yeah. next year, they could save fourteen million dollars. They release him. Is there any chance that, that happens at all? Do you would you or would you even want Detroit to cut him, or do you want to Stafford here for as long as you can?
1: No, either you keep him or you trade him. Okay. You can't. You can't cut him. You know, like I mean, maybe I someone comes in. He's a hard ass That would be the only thing.
0: Like how well, I'll how drunk say, could you uh, get John Elway? You know.
1: Uh, how drunk could you get... Um, I mean, <laughs> Stafford is from Highland... Played at Highland Park in high school. So, okay. I mean, go get Jerry on the line. He needs a quarterback. Yeah, it's true. Um, he is more movable than Matt Ryan, I'll just say that much. Because yeah. Matt Ryan's hit is something like $50 million. So, I mean, it, it, it's possible. It does go up next year. That's kind of why we were sitting around wondering if the Lions would trade him in the middle of the season this year. But it didn't happen. because Probably because the same people were in place. Like... Patricia and Bob Quinn had to basically run this team to save their jobs. They failed to do that now. So if he does get moved, it's going to be a different person who runs this team who does pull that trigger. Mm. But, I mean, at this point, the value is there because you can still get some good uh, resources back for him. I just don't know. Again, yeah, the the cap hit goes up a bit. I don't know who the dance partner is, but, I mean, I don't know. There there are some teams desperate out there. I've seen weirder. I just, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So who do you put more blame on the past three seasons? Because I know, I know you mentioned Patricia and uh, Bob Quinn as a package deal. Do you think it's more of like a Quinn's fault as far as like, the players he picked? With Patricia, or do you think Patricia has just done a terrible job getting most of the talent that has he has assigned to his own team?
1: Let's be clear on Bob Quinn. Bob Quinn... He he makes some signings every now and then that kind of blow you away. It's like wow, I didn't know you could get that guy. Like when he got Trey Flowers, or with the, when he got Everson Griffin, and he does know how to pick some decent late round uh, draft picks. I, I I would argue maybe not as well as people give him credit for because I think he hits swings and hits at about average for most people. And for God's sake,s the guy drafted a long snapper in the sixth round. Like come on. <laughs> um, But his top, he's going to get killed because of his top round uh, draft picks. Like, they just haven't been good. Like, I mean, again, we had Jeff Okuda this year, cool. And then DeAndre Swift. I mean, both those guys I really like. But then 2019, they picked up, what, TJ Hawkinson. They were top 10, and I think there's legit questions of, yeah, okay, Hawkinson was a cool pickup, a great tight end. But the Lions really needed some, like, Defensive talent that year, mm-hmm. and so I'm really stressed on that. They picked up Jelani Tavai in the second round. I don't okay, like him whatever. Very much at all. To, no, he's not. He hasn't been fantastic. And then like, I think I can watch him
0: sometimes. Ever watch him play?
1: <laughs> Frank Rag Okay, kind of hard to mess up on 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 centers. And that, but then uh, I think Carryon Johnson was the second round pick in 2018, and he might be going the same way as Amir Abdullah mm-hmm. soon enough. Which would suck, and then 20, 2017, I hate. I'm sorry. I hate doing this thing where we're jumping down there, but Jared Davis was your first round pick in twenty seventeen for the Detroit Lions, and Jared Davis is one of the worst linebackers I've ever seen. And a lot of
0: people be like, Jared, who? Huh?
1: Yeah. And you, yeah, and yeah, and by Jared and again, spelled
0: J A R R A D. Weird way spelled Jared yeah. too.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um and then yeah, again, we talked about T's Tabor earlier, who's not mm-hmm. even on an NFL not with the Lions anymore. I think he's with an NFL roster, but I could be wrong. Uh he's no, he's not with an NFL roster. He had some off-season practice squad time with the 49ers, the Lions. but uh yeah. Like I cool. Like that's 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 what you have right now, man. And some of these <sighs> big signings like we talked about Vitae earlier too and that didn't work out so Bob Quinn hasn't been great but I have to impress upon as bad as he's been it's still largely on Patricia because Patricia had the talent left over and rather than working with talent that wasn't his or you know adapting and molding and being open to incorporating talent where it sits best it's just square peg round hole Hey, are you posting stuff on Instagram? will bleep you. You know, you bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, homophobic word bleep, and just you know, just a generally unpleasant man to deal with. And I, I I'm sorry. That's and you. And that's that's what it comes down to. You're unpleasant to deal with. You run a bunch of talent out of town, and your defensive scheme is not great. Yeah. Like that. That that takes that takes the that takes the uh, the cake.
0: Well, so with Patricia, what's your like, least favorite like, physical attribute about him? Is it the beard? Is it the pencil? Is it the sweatpants? You know, whenever he's out there in the sideline, what's your, what's your least favorite thing about him?
1: I'm going to decline on that. that. That might be a little too mean. I'm not exactly a good-looking person myself, I just, to be honest.
0: I, for, well, for me, I think it's the sweatpants just because I don't like the Detroit Lions sweatpants jerseys at all. And I think you can find a metaphor that combines, like, the Detroit Lions sweatboys last three years with him and Patricia itself. It's the gray jerseys, you know?
1: Yeah, I, that that silver gray does not look good on a lot of people. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I don't. This is why I don't buy a lot of Lions gear myself. I think the the color scheme is kind of booty. But um, I I do know. I will say, as far as like the beard, there is a meme going around Lions Twitter a little bit of a very sweaty looking uh Patricia with his mouth open, of a picture of him. I'll have to go find it, but. Uh, that's probably him at his most ridiculous there, I would say. There we go. So prob- probably probably the beard. He's he's got a little better at keeping the beard kempt. but I'm also someone as someone who has a goatee who, you know, trims it and like takes care of everything else around my face. I do not tolerate any person with a with one of these like unkempt lumberjack beards that just that the that's it. It's like your idea of facial hair is just not shaving. And, like War. do something with it. <laughs> Just do something with it, man. Like, come on. Like, it's ridiculous. What well,
0: happens whenever you really like Tyson kisses the monitor? He grow a beard like that, you know? No, oh, jeez. That's what occurs. Yeah. Um. So with the with the Lions as well too. Like, so let's say they fire Patricia. Who is the who's your top choice as, as somebody that you'd want to be the head coach of the Lions moving forward if they do fire Patricia for this year?
1: Honestly, I haven't even given it much thought right now. Mm. Just because um it's hard to pull this kind of thing off because I'm kind of in a lot of arrested development in that this was the smart guy that everyone talked about. Um and unfortunately I just there, there's the only the only options I really come up with are college guys and it seems to piss everyone off as soon as I say that. But I mean Matt Rule's done a good job in in um in Carolina and Cliff Kingsbury's kind of turning the Cardinals around like we're seeing college guys doing better, and I think that works better than this Eric. This whole thing is like, oh yeah, let's just do the same thing we've been doing for the Patriots the last few years, but let's go get Eric Bienemy from the from the from the Chiefs. Like, what are we doing? We're just recycling talent, hoping one of these things stick. I'm kind of tired of it, and so I would. I I don't take this seriously, but also take this seriously. I want to see <laughs> the Lions hire Lane. I want to see the Lions hire Lane Kiffin. Okay, you to get zany then with it. Yeah, let's get nuts. Let's get... Like, no, I I think, I think there are some names among the college ranks I would like, except for Jim Harbaugh. Stop doing this Jim Harbaugh thing. If you're saying Jim Harbaugh belongs back in the NFL... Go, go and watch what he's been doing at Michigan the last five years and tell me anything there that looks like it's actual competent bleeping football. I'm, I'm <laughs> not even a Michigan fan. People ask me to talk about Michigan football all the time. I, I went to USC for my master's, and my undergrad didn't have football. Like, Michigan, like, Harbaugh is bad, people. Harbaugh's not a great coach. It's not 2012 anymore. You, you think he's just going to come back in, and he's going to m- miraculously pull back that magic? No. Get out! Get the hell out of here! Get the hell all the way the hell out of here, and definitely keep him the way away from the Detroit Lions.
0: Well, he hits shoulder pads a lot, though. He likes to run the football, so that, Neat. that means a lot, though.
1: Last thing I need is more Michiganders wearing khakis
0: <laughs> or like five pairs of khakis at once.
1: Uh, on yeah. top of that. But no, I. It's funny because I know I was taught. We were talking in the podcast, and it's like, yeah, we want a young guy. We want an offensive mind. Yeah, we we talked about. You know, hey, on a podcast, we talked about this on a podcast one time. It's like, hey, we want a young guy, we want a good offensive scheme, we want someone who's forward thinking. And I just sit there and I'm like, Lane Kiffin, and they're all like, No, 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 not Lane Kiffin. <laughs> I'm like, Lane Kiffin is going to come one day to the NFL. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be the Detroit Lions, but man, the son of Monty Kiffin will not be denied his legacy. And he is—he really has rehabilitated himself after the getting fired from the USC tarmac. He—he's he's all right I, I could see him back in the NFL I don't know if it'll be with the Lions but yeah I don't know any other names right now I've barely even thought about it right to be honest just because this nightmare isn't over yeah, just yeah
0: yet. yeah that's a good point you want to you have to wake up first before you can make that sort of decision as well wake um, me up inside <laughs> so with the Lions like going forward like I know you mentioned how the cabinet's buried here um for the Lions like talent-wise but like what players could they could they kind of like scrap together for like the next good Lions team, if that ever happens again. like Which players do you think will be stick around here for the long term, and who are some players they can actually build around, do you think?
1: Probably the offensive line. I, I talked about Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow. I think those are your two pieces for the future. Maybe Jonah Jackson, but like uh, that that's always good for me. If you can say, hey, yeah, the offensive line is something you can build around, that's a great piece to start. Um, I think, I don't know what you can salvage from the defense right now, which is what scares the hell out of me at this point. Like Reggie Raglan was decent a little bit, but they kind of drove away a lot of pieces, and they and the Lions have famously like refused to go get a competent edge rusher for years since Ezekiel Ansah, and uh, I'm I'm really mad about that. So I think, but where you do start is you start with the offensive line, especially the left side of it, and probably DeAndre Swift. You try to get as much as you can out of him right now. But and I mean T.J. Hawkinson probably conf- contributes that offensive line and some receiving, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just wide receipt is just guys on on contra on you know expiring or soon to expire contracts, aging veterans. Like there's not a lot to build around here mm-hmm. besides those pe- those two places.
0: Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, do you even like football at all anymore after your three? To I do. Show? Okay, let's get here.
1: I, 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 I'm struggling to like, I mean, look, one of my other jobs is working at a national sports talk uh, syndication as well. So it's kind of hard for me to be as focused as I like sometimes. And, but, and, and the malaise does hit things, but it's still a intellectual uh, endeavor and it keeps me from just playing video games all day. So Mm -hmm. I, I try to at least give it the, uh, you know, the good old school try. And uh, I, I, I figure it, it's also a duty for me because Lions fandom, you either have this irrational hope and you're constantly looking on the bright side of life and always, always being crushed. And then eventually one day you wake up and you become so damn cynical that all of this doesn't matter, that you're saying things like lionized and same old lions and you're going on <laughs> 97.1 the ticket and saying this crap as well. And you, you're not allowed to celebrate an upset win at all ever. Like I remember the, the, after the Falcons win, uh, there was a guy, there was a guy on the radio complaining that, you know, the lions had ruined their, their tanking ability or their ability to get Patricia fires. Like, what are you talking about? They're still going to fire Patricia and tanking doesn't matter in this league. The it, there's multiple great positions to draft for. And the lions are still going to be in the top 10 of the draft at this rate too. Yeah. Um, so like chill out, chill, chill the hell out and just enjoy a football game every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I feel like the only way forward is to be funny. And unfortunately here, I don't think I've been that funny. I've tried a little bit to be funny, but it is very much so kind of like even this year is kind of wearing that thin. But I insist in something I wrote that you don't need to take football seriously. This isn't a life or death thing. People are dying out there, not just of COVID, but, you know, all the other terrible Pe- things in the world. People I die, mean talk
0: it's part of being alive.
1: I mean, hell, we just kind of all let, you know this war go on in our talks or however you say it right under our nose you know and that's going to be awful and Yemen is still going on and I read a lot of international news like this idea that I need to get really torn up about what happens in a football game is just I look the sports has always had this bad like Sports people always bristle because at big, old-time, grave newspapers, it would always, like, oh, the sports people, they're just working in the candy shop. You know, they're not serious. And we've all kind of bristled at that we make up reasons why sports are serious because sports do mean a lot to the American culture and you know but people then get very serious about things like social justice issues and you know those kind of messages and representation on how much those are so damn important and we we but we we're at the point where we're just jacking ourselves off a little bit this is this is a this is a gladiatorial game I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be the jester there we go. That's what it's good. I, I need I need some time to refresh that though. My my batteries are a little depleted. <laughs> it's all good. But, it's all good.
0: Well, I think I, I, have, I, other, I, I, think I have other. I think there's something that's important too. Yeah. Be, just because like so much of like football gets wrapped up in like being like you know serious and strong and angry and tough or whatever, and and uh, you can't lose. Just like yeah, it's a fun thing. It's supposed to be a fun game. And I think Josh Allen's a really good example of that because everything got wrapped in like you know he sucks, he's bad. But have you ever seen a quarterback stiff arm three defensive linemen on the same play? And then throw the ball out of bounds <laughs> while I run backwards 25 yards. Like, enjoy that. Yeah, it's Embrace like, those parts of the game. They're beautiful, you know?
1: Or, or even, like, every time, like, some team hires some quarterback and suddenly we're all screaming, oh, this guy gets a job but not Colin Kaepernick. Like, chill out. I'm I'm tired of this. I'm so tired yeah, yeah. of this. Like, I just want to throw a spitball here, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, like I, I I ascribe to the Church of Brizgalov. It, it's only a game. Why do you have to be mad?
0: Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. Um, so I think with the with the Texans lines thing, it kind of like summarizes. So I so as you were talking, I wrote down a bunch of things that kind of came up that really remind me of the Texans era, Bill O'Brien. I have running off talent, then ability to develop players. Uh, this like idea of like a culture fit and like trying to develop a culture. Well, not having the football to back it up and also have like a really kind of stupid culture to begin with that's you know very like, um, you know, macho and about like accountability and dependability and that sort of thing. Uh, the slate trade is kind of similar to the Hopkins trade because it, it was mainly not necessarily a football decision, but like a culture decision there. Uh, not playing to the opponent that you're playing against, running like a really possession heavy football team, loving to establish the run, not throwing the ball downfield. Uh, not getting the most out of your quarterback wasting talent in that same sort of sense of the word too so like that's like you know I guess about 12 or 13 different things that have kind of bled from your time with Matt Patricia in Detroit and our wonderful time with Bill O'Brien here in Houston
1: I don't know what to say about that that just depresses me a little bit more
0: (laughs) yeah it's not there's no gesturedom in that at all whatsoever yeah yeah Uh, we do have one last question though from a listener and this will be some gesturedom for you it's from Game game underscore over underscore man underscore sixty nine, of course. What's the more iconic Thanksgiving moment? The JJ Watt pick six or in Dom kicking that shop of the balls in
1: two thousand twelve. Oh, okay, yeah, because I just I was rattling off some twenty twelve memories uh-huh. like again, like, like Jim Schwartz throwing the flag he didn't need to, and Gunther coming him, drop kicking the playbook. Um just because that twenty twelve Thanksgiving game excites me so much with like how bad it was. I, I think I have to go with Sue kicking Schaub in the balls. Cause if ever there was a quarterback that deserved a little bit of being kicked in the balls, it was probably Schaub just, just for being <laughs> Schaub. I, I, I have no other reason. I have no spite towards Schaub. I like the guy. I think, I don't know. I don't know too much about him, but Sue, Sue and Schaub that, that that's a match made in heaven that, that yeah, let's, let's go with that.
0: That works out. I mean, like, it's kind of funny because I think Schaub, for everybody who, you know, follows the NFL, is, like, a complete inconsequential quarterback who, like, yeah was kind of, like, a good here and there, kind of like an Alex Smith maybe sword of type of player. But in Houston, you know, he was the best quarterback in franchise history until Deshaun Watson came around. Like, the team had been a team for, you know, 12, 13 years, and he was the best quarterback in, uh, in Houston until then. So, uh, but what was fun about the Sioux kick in the Nets, too, is that, like, he, like, fell and then kind of reached his leg up and kind of kicked him, like, in a sly way. It was a very, like, undercover nut kick, you know?
1: Yeah, that that's always the thing with Sue, and I always gave him a lot of uh, leeway in some of it because I just couldn't tell at that, that start, like, if he really meant it or he was just the most unlucky person on earth. I do know that he deserves a Heisman. Like, he was one of the best talents out of, defensive talents out of college, and if he didn't win it as a defensive player, and he, he he ended up behind, like, Chase McCoy or Colt, oh, Colt McCoy. McCoy I forget Decent which of I forget BC, which in the, it was one of the two McCoy brothers he um he 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 like but he beat them in the big 12 championship game and he ate McCoy alive and McCoy finishes in front of him in Heisman voting that's and Mark Ingram wins the the thing that year that's mm-hmm. just it, it's wrong Sue was one of the best defensive talents in, in college
0: yeah I always love watching, watching him just shove quarterbacks down too like no yeah, ta- he, he's you don't need a, ta- a tackle quarterback. Just shove him down. It's a lot yeah, easier. Yeah. Discard the them like just knock him over like a trash can. Um so Chris, where can we read your stuff? How can we uh, listen to some of the things that you have to say as the lines, you know, devolve closer to Fire Map Patricia finally and having a new beautiful day like we've had in Houston?
1: So we have the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We post on prideofdetroit.com. We are on Twitter at Pride of Detroit. Uh, you know, we have a Twitch channel and a YouTube channel, and our live streams are kind of the big thing. As we record our podcast live in front of a uh, rabid internet audience, who uh, makes people giggle the whole time <laughs> while we're trying to do it, makes it very hard. I'm on Twitter at Chris Perfett P E R F E T T, and I, you know, I I write sometimes, not as much lately. I've had really bad writer's block, but I, you know, I podcast on Pride of Detroit constantly. Um, I'm producing podcasts for a lot of people. Um, actually, one of the things I do want to pimp right now is that right now, Up for Voting is a podcast I've produced with uh, someone else from Pride of Detroit, Jerry Mallory, who it's called the 438 Podcast. It's a pilot we produce, it's part of the next great podcast contest on iHeart. Um, if you enjoy true crime podcasts, if you enjoy nineties nostalgia. If you enjoy kind of the culture around pro wrestling, I encourage you to check it out. It is a story about youth. It's a story about a sexual predator. And it's a story about communities connecting before the age of social media. It's a it it's a story that blew me away. I'm very happy I got to produce it. So that's up for voting. We would love if everyone could vote on that because we're we, we are in the running. If we win, we can, you know, produce a whole series out of it. Cool. Um and then other than that, I'm on Fox Sports Radio on weekend overnight. So if you are sleepless and you know where to listen, I am the technical producer over there. But yeah, most of my stuff is right now with Pride to Detroit. So, but again, pridedetroit.com, Chris Perfett, and please go and vote on the 438 podcast. I think I have it pinned on my Twitter profile, the link to go vote.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll make sure I go vote as soon as this is over. Um, it was great talking to you again. Hopefully, you know, maybe I'll talk to you again in four years. Hopefully not. Maybe so. Yeah. Who knows? Whatever. We'll
1: see. The, 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 the arc of the NFL is long, stupid, and uh, very aggravating.
0: Yeah. Um, so until next time, thank you for listening to our radio. And thank you for being on the side, Chris.
1: Thank you for being you.